Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, Radiant Church, I'm glad that you're at church today. God's doing so many incredible things, and we are in the finale of a series we have been calling Citizens. And we've been looking all at what it means to be a citizen of heaven, to have our home in heaven. And if you missed any of the previous messages, make sure you check them out on YouTube. But today, I'm doing what I promised I would do. On week number one, I told you guys if you would submit questions, I would answer them. And you guys did not disappoint. Hundreds of questions were submitted on my social media, on the church's social media, in person, in our services. And so we got all these questions and came together and came up with the top five questions. That is what we are going to answer today. So if you're watching this, share the message. I really believe that someone's going to get ministered to because of it. It'll get a little touchy today. I think it'll be a good topic for all of us, a little heavier than normal, but we'll make sure we laugh together and it'll end on a high note together. Also, I think it's a a big subject because the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that he has also set eternity in the human heart. Eternity is something that we all think about. You go to bed thinking about it. It's one of those things that keeps you up at night. And the reason why is because the death rate, by the way, is still the same that it's always been. It's 100%. Like it hasn't changed. So that means you're going to die one day. And we need to know what happens after you die. So those are the questions that we have been answering. And I think it's important just to set this up by saying, I'm not here to give my opinion. Now, if you want opinions, you go on Facebook, because how many know there's enough people giving their opinions on Facebook these days? Can I hear a good amen? So I'm not here to give you opinions. I'm here to give you God's word. So we are getting some facts from God's word on what he says about it. So I'll just say this nicely with a smile. If you don't agree with me, that's okay. You're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God's word. So take it up with him. But I would challenge you on this. If you come to a place where you have an opinion on something and it differs in what God says in his word, do me a favor. Do not change God's word to fit your opinion. Change your opinion to fit God's word. Let's live in that kind of perspective. Can I get a better amen today? The Bible says it like this in first, um, 2 Timothy. All scriptures, say the word all. All right, that was about half of you guys. So how about all of you guys say all? All All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. In other words, there's not anything you can read in here that's not useful. And here's what it's useful for. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training up in righteousness. It's going to help you become more righteous than you were before so that the servants of God at Radiant Church that are in attendance in 2021 and watching online years in the future, they may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Can I just remind you today, church, God still got some good works in store for your life. He's still got a plan for your life. It's not done with you yet. So let's go to his word. Let's get some answers. We're going to have a good time. If you have your notes, take them out. If you have the app, open it up. There's actually about two to three times more notes on the app today than there is in person just because I want you to download our app and make sure you know about what's happening in your church. Let's go in and let's answer top five questions. This question was the number one most asked question, and it's simply this, will my pets be in heaven? 
The Bible is very clear in the book of first opinions. If you own a dog, it's in heaven. If you own a cat, it's in, well, you get the idea, okay? It's in the Bible. No, it's not in there. I told you I would not get into my own opinion. So let me just tell you that, that we have to be very clear. The Bible is actually clear about some things and unclear about other things. So we're going to get into this idea of will my pets be in heaven? And to answer that, let's first answer the question, will animals be in heaven? And that answer is an absolutely, it's absolutely, there will be animals in heaven. We see this all throughout scriptures. If you love animals, you're going to love heaven because heaven is filled with them. Isaiah eleven six says it this way. The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together. This is a description of what it's going to be like in heaven. And people commonly misquote that passage and say, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Well, kind of. The passage just basically tells us there's a bunch of animals in heaven. In the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus is riding on a white horse. So if there's horses in heaven, why not ferrets and dogs and birds too? Can I hear a good amen? I, I, one of the best books on this is a book called Heaven. It's written by a guy by the name of Randy Alcorn. So if, if you love to go a little bit deeper, you want to study a little bit more, make sure you read this book. He, he answers about 40-something questions on heaven. But he says this about animals. He says, horses, cats, dogs, deer, dolphins, and squirrels, as well as inanimate creature, creation, will be beneficiaries of Christ's death and resurrection. God's redeeming everything. Why not redeem animals also. So will animals be in heaven? Yes. Then there's the question of will my animals be in heaven? That's to make it a little bit more personal. Like, hey, you know, uh, the, the dog, little buddy, he, he died a few years ago. Is he in heaven? Is he waiting for me? And the answer to this question, the best I can find in scripture is simply, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if your animal's in heaven. Now I do know because Katie and I had a dog right when we got married, before we had kids, and this dog was not a Christian. Not a Christian, okay? I promise you this. This dog was not a Christian. If that dog made it to heaven, then the grace of God is so overwhelming. Because that dog, I think it was demon-possessed, if that's possible. This dog was, we, we ended up giving it away to Katie's grandmother. So we were, we were just done with this dog. Like, and, and so that, your dog, your animal might be in heaven, ours wasn't. But we have to understand something about how eternity works. You see, you are separate than all of the creation. You're different than all of creation. Because when God created you, it says it in Genesis, that he breathed life into you. He breathed eternity into you. So we are eternal creatures. We will spend eternity somewhere. That makes us different than the rest of the, 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 the things on the planet today because many of them do not have that eternal breath of God in them. They also can't convert. So Matthew says it this way, truly I say to you, unless you are converted, you make a decision and become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So because of those two reasons, I'm not sure. Now, I do think that heaven is a place of full bliss and full excitement and full love. So maybe your animal is there. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. Number two, write, write it down in your notes. Here's the question is, will we be married or will we know each other in heaven? Let me start with the second part of that question. As simply, do we know each other in heaven? And my response to you would be, do we know each other right now? Come on, can I be real? Like, 
People live in surface relationships. They really don't know each other right now. And I would tell you that when I see heaven throughout scriptures, it's a place where we know each other better than we've ever known each other now. So you think you know people, you only know a surface level. First Corinthians says it this way, chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, talking about heaven, we will see face to face. He says, now I know in part, in other words, I know him a little bit, but then I shall be fully known even as I have been fully known. Like we get to know each other really in heaven. That's why you don't really know people here today. That's why you've gone through like five relationships and you keep breaking up with them because you realize they're not who they say they are. That is because we are on the earth. When heaven, we will never have that problem. We will be fully known. It's no longer, hey, there's, G- hey, hey, Slim. Hey, buddy. Hey, pal. You know, it, it, you'll know each other really. That's, that's a great part about heaven. And you'll know who each other are. I think this is awesome because uh, Jesus, when he returned from heaven, who rose from the grave, when he returned from heaven, he, he appeared to his disciples. And when he appeared to his disciples, he said, look at my hands and my feet. He says, it is I myself. You can see who I am. He says, touch me and see a ghost doesn't have this. So we're not just like floating around different places. And no, 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 we're in a place called heaven where we know each other. So the answer to that question is, will we know each other in heaven? And the answer is absolutely. You're gonna be able to know each other. That, that grandparent that passed away, that child that passed unexpectedly, that friend of yours that went too soon, I want you to know the good hope that we have is we get to spend eternity together and party together, which by the way, that means you better get along with some people because they're gonna remember who you are when they get to heaven. Then in this, the other question of will we be married in heaven? This was asked multiple times. Luke uh, discusses it where Jesus addresses it head on in the book of Luke. And I want to show it to you. It says some of the Sadducees, this were kind of the religious leaders of the day, who say there's no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Now here was their question. He said, teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but no children, then the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. How nice of that family right there. And it says now there was seven brothers, so the first one married a woman and died childless. Then what happened is the second one, and then the third married her, and in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Now, pause for just a second. Can we just all agree that this lady is suspect <laughs> to, to something because, like, you ain't going through that many husbands naturally. <laughs> I think she's cutting them or doing something like this is weird. If you're number eight in line, don't marry this girl. If every one of their spouses has died, I don't know. If you want to get in, if you're selling insurance, don't sell to this lady. Like, <laughs> she's trying to get that insurance money. Anyway. Side story for another day. Anyway, finally the woman died. She was exhausted from killing all of her husbands. <laughs> That's not the Bible. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> now the woman died, and there, and then at the resurrection, she said, "So whose wife, 
will she be? Like, since the seven were married to her. And that's a genuine question because we have people who have been divorced or widowed and they go, okay, so which one am I actually married to in heaven? And Jesus replies and says it. It says, the people of this age marry and are given into marriage. He goes, but those who are worthy, considered worthy to take part in the age to come and in the resurrection of the dead, meaning those that are in heaven, will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So Jesus answers it clearly about marriage and heaven. You can write it down in your notes. Will we be married in heaven? And the answer is no. No, we will not be married in heaven. And that's tough for some of y'all to hear. Some of y'all are like, that's, that's a bummer. And others of y'all, you're like, free at last. <laughs> free at last. Don't cheer. You're sitting next to that person right now. So, so the question then is why? Why would Jesus be very clear in the fact that there is no marriage in heaven? And I'll tell you why. Uh, to give you a little side story of why we have marriage today. Marriage serves us four purposes. You can write them down in your notes. It's another sermon for another day, but I think it's something that's helpful for you. Here's the four reasons why we get married. It's simply because of purification is number one. God puts you with someone that sharpens you. They help, the biblical passages, the biblical idea is they sanctify you. They work stuff out in you. You get better as you get married. The second one is procreation. It's God brings you into a marriage to procreate, to fill the earth with children. And Radiant Church, you guys are pretty good at that one. The third one is presentation. I'm just helping you today. Some of y'all don't know why you're married. Let me remind you. It's presentation. In other words, you present to the world what it means for God, for Christ to love his church. So when people look at your marriage, they should so say, oh, is that how God loves us? Is that how God serves us? Is that how God lays down his life for us? I see how you and your spouse do that. What an example of how God is towards us. It's a presentation to the world. And the last reason we get married is for because of pleasure. And I will let you think whatever you think that means right there. We will keep it PG for everybody today. But those are the reasons we get married. So let me just ask you, do we need purification in heaven? And the answer is no. No. We, we've already become like him. That's the moment that we get to heaven that we're totally purified. Do we need pro to procreate in heaven? The answer is no. No, there ain't no more kids being born in, in heaven. It's over. Do we need a presentation of the gospel anymore in heaven. No, no, we don't need that. We don't need you to say, you go, look at me and my spouse. We are just like Christ is, loves the church. No, then they're gonna go, no, actually, uh, look, at, look at Christ and his church. We can see them all. He's right here. We don't need a presentation either. And so that leaves us one more, and it's simply pleasure. And the fact is you go, well, it's, it's so awesome to marry. And it is. There's nothing greater than, than, uh, than my marriage. But I want you to know when it compares to the pleasures of heaven and eternity, it's, only, it's small compared to the greatness of what God wants to do through you. First Corinthians says it this way, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You think marriage is awesome? You ain't experienced anything until you experience heaven. That's where it really gets good. Number three, third question. I hope you're learning something today. What happens immediately after we die? And we need to know this because everyone is going to die one day. And we want to know what happens immediately after we die. And Jesus makes it very clear. We see a passage where he is on the cross. And as he's dying on the cross, the man next to him, who was a thief, many believe a murderer, who's sitting next to him on the cross, 
makes a profession of faith, puts his trust in Jesus, and Jesus returns to him and says to him and says, surely I say to you today, in other words, this moment, right when you die, you will be with me, because this is where I'm going, in paradise. He tells us where we go immediately after we die. He says, listen, there's this place called paradise that is being prepared for you, and we're going to be there. So when we leave this life, there's not a moment where you're just kind of like hovering around the room. And, you know, we make it so weird. We're like, I think she's still in the room with us. I'm like, no, she's not. She's not here. He's not here anymore. Um, if you've ever been at the bedside of someone who breathed their last breath, it's always so traumatic for us. But if you see them, you almost see this just like release over them. Um, and I've been in so many of those moments where you're there and you have this time where you sit there and you, and you look at them and the person that was struggling a minute ago is now you can look at that same body and you can go, they're gone. You can just tell they're no longer there. Why? Because uh, Paul talks about it. He says, for we know that this earthly house, this tent is destroyed. Like this thing gets old, it runs down. It's, it, it doesn't keep getting better by the years. It gets worse. But he says, but we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal, in the heavens. For we know this, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed. We shall be found naked. We are confident, yes. We will be pleased rather um, to be absent. In other words, to be separated from everybody else. We're absent from the body, but we're present with the, present with the Lord. So what happens when we die? We leave this life and we are immediately, you can write it down in your notes, we are in the presence of God. We're in the presence of God. And that's good news for us. That brings us hope and assurance. There's no longer a struggle. There's no longer the tears. There's no longer the hurt. We're in the presence of God. We see this in a guy by the name of Stephen's life. Stephen was a apostle who was um, being stoned and killed for his faith. And the Bible says it like this in Acts chapter 7. It says, and he, talking about Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing there at the right hand of God. He was, he was seeing Jesus right before he died. And, and this is so important. And then as Stephen was being stoned, he called out to God and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And that's what happens when you die. Your spirit leaves your body and is now in the presence of God. So then the question must be asked, well, what happens when we're in the presence of God? Well, I have the answer for you. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says that it is appointed for man to die once. I want you to get that. Because there's this whole idea that we get a do-over. We're going to come back as a butterfly. We're going to come back and really get it right. I screwed up this life, but man, I'm going to really make the next one really good. That's not the facts. The fact, based off God's word, is you have one life to live. You better do it well. You better do it well. And he says, and after that life, you're standing before God. You're in God's presence. Now comes judgment. Now you're going to be judged by what happened in this life. We call it the two-question test. It's right there in your notes, and I want you to get it, because these are the two questions that are going to be asked of you. The first one, and I want to prepare you, because a lot of you guys are like me. Like, you, you went through school, and you never prepared for a test. 
And you never, you showed up in every pop quiz, you like failed it because you were never like ready to go beforehand, which I still don't understand pop quizzes, how that's supposed to help us. But I get the idea that there's many times that there's tests that are given that you need to be prepared for. And I'm here to prepare you for this test. The first test is simply, what are you going to do? What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? This is not a question of, did you go to church enough? Did you give enough money? Did you help enough people? Did you go on enough mission trips? No. The question of, of, of your life, the most important thing that's going to be asked is, what did you do with Jesus? And this question, write it on your notes, determines your residence. So it determines where you're going to live. This is the heaven or hell question right here is, what did you do with Jesus? And I'm really worried that a lot of people think that good church attendance or giving or, or some kind of good, uh, you know, uh, I'm really nice and my good outweighs the bad is what's going to get you into heaven. And I want to remind you today that none of those things are good enough to get us into heaven. We get into heaven because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. It is his works, not ours, that got us, gets us in. Then the second question is then asked if you get Past question number one, the second question is asked is simply, what did you do with what I gave you? And this is the stewardship question, which basically is now this is the question that determines your reward. It's, man, what did you do with that time? What did you do with your marriage? What did you do with your finances? This is why it's important. We are held accountable for what God has given us. So we understand both of those questions. Both of those moments will happen when we die, now you know the answer to your question. Number four, and this is where it gets pretty intense. Number four is why would a loving God send people to hell? Why would a loving God send people to hell? Now, this question was asked many, many, many times in many different ways. And I just think it's very important that we address it because this is very important as a believer that you have an answer for this when people ask you. First of all, we have to define what hell is. So write it down. Hell is simply a total separation from God. Total separation from God. And when you put that word God right there, I want you to put a little slash next to it and put the word good. Because hell is not just a separation from all things God. Hell is a separation from all things that are good. Because good and God go hand in hand. So if anything that's good in your life, it's because God's involved in it. Which, by the way, look at the world today. Anytime God is removed from an equation, that's where the bad comes in. Where, where's poverty and brokenness and, and sex trafficking and war and, and all of these things. All of this is, what is it? It's when God is out of the picture and when you remove God, you always remove good. So what is hell? Hell is the place where there's a total removal of God. That's why it's a place that's no good. So that is why throughout scripture, you read scriptures, there's, you know, 10 different verses, you get 10 different descriptions of hell. Why? Because it's a place that's so terrible because God's not involved. God's not there. It's a separation from God. Second Thessalonians 1.9 says it this way. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord, and from his glorious power. Like that is, that's a tough phrase right there that we learn in scriptures that this place, hell, is a eternal place, a destruction, a place of destruction. Why? Because good isn't there. Why? Because God isn't there. Matthew goes on to say it this way. This is how it'll be at the end of the age. 
the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into a blazing furnace. Now, I don't preach much on this passage, but I think we should know about it. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things, Jesus asked. And they looked at him in like the same way you're looking at me right now. Like, yes, I understand. Sure. Because it's an overwhelming topic. Let's be real. It's something it, it, we can't fathom how this works. So let me explain why a loving God would send people to a place called hell. And it all comes down to this one word, and you can write it down because this is the word that helps you in that situation understand it. And it's this word called choice. It's all about choice. It's all about choice because God created you for a relationship with him. And the only way to have a pure relationship where love is involved, there has to be choice. So that's why the question is like, if I was the last person on the planet, would you marry me? Well, no. Like, and if I did, I wouldn't love you because you can't have love and no choice. Does that make sense? So, so that's where love is. And God is more interested in love than anything else. He created us for that relationship. So the only way to do that is to give us a choice. And so the choice is, will we accept that love and that relationship? Or will we say, no, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I want to be separated from you. And now you're separating yourself from not just God, but from everything that is good. You see how that works? C.S. Lewis says it this way. There are only two kinds of people in the world. I want you to get this. So you're one of these two categories. There are people, those that say to God, thy will be done. I'm going to follow you. And then there's those to whom God says in the end, well, thy will be done. Well, have it your way. Have it your way. And he says it this way. I love how C.S. Lewis writes it. He says, all that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there would be no hell. No soul, and he goes on to say that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, it is open. I want you to know, hell is not a place where God delights in sending people. It is a place where he honors their wish to do life without him. It is going, it's him going, I'm respecting your choice to do life away from me. I wrote it down in my notes this way, that hell isn't a place that God sends people. It's a place where people can go to pay for their own sins. It's either one way or another. You accept Jesus' sacrifice, you do it his way, or you do it your way. But I have some good news for you today. Second Peter says it this way, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. No, he's not slow. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting one person to perish. I do not believe God created this planet with one person that he desired for that person to go to hell. No, but for everyone to come to repentance. And I want you to know that includes you. God wants a relationship with you. This is so important because so many of us are so frustrated going, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I want you to know it's not up to you. Jesus did his part. He sacrificed on the cross. He's so serious about people going to heaven that he says, listen, if you want to go to hell, you're going to have to walk over my dead body to get there. That is how much he loves you and how much he loves me. Come on, give him better praise than that today, church.
Number five, fifth one, and it was asked in dozens of different ways, so I'll let you kind of fill in the blank. It's, do people that blank go to hell? And I'm going to leave the blank empty. Because there was all kinds of ones, people that commit suicide or people that are drug addicts or people that have an abortion or people that are gay or people that, you know, they, all these different situations. And it was asked in, in dozens of different ways. And so I want to answer the question. I have an answer for this question. And so first of all, let me just give you 2 Timothy 2.19. 2 Timothy 2.19 basically says this, the Lord knows those who are his. So let's not ever be a church. Can we just be very clear with this? That we're ever being a church to going that group or those people or, or that, 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 those people that deal with that, those people, they're all going to hell. We, we never point fingers at people that, are, oh, they're going to do this. No, no, no. God knows what's going to happen. God's in charge. Don't tell me that, oh, because they made this decision, it's over for them. No, 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 no. You have no clue what's going on behind the scenes and how God is working in their life. We don't judge anybody here. We're going to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, not work out anybody else's. So let's just get into that question. Do people that blank go to hell? And the answer is, for whatever you put in there, yes, yes. If you look at scriptures, it's very clear. There's people that from all ages and stages and backgrounds that unfortunately will spend an eternity away from God. And Jesus talks about that, by the way, more than anybody else. So do those people go to hell? Yes. Now don't leave, because you're gonna like, well, I'm offended about that. But the fact is, it doesn't matter if you're one of those groups or you're the other extreme and you've you know, had it together and never you know, had an issue and never messed up in a way that they've messed up, I want you to know your sins qualify you for an eternity away from God also. Can I just be real with you? For us to get some idea that go, well, because I'm not like them, then I'm going to heaven, they're going to hell. That's, that's pretty messed up. Bible says it this way, Romans 3.23, for all, by the way, that includes every single one of us, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So don't get too too quick to label that group as a group that, oh, well, those people are are, are, are going to hell, but I'm not. No, 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 no. We at Radiant Church are here to work out our issues, our struggles, and I, I can't focus on everybody else, but I can focus on me to make sure I'm where I need to be with God. And that's what we're gonna do to close out this service. Because honestly, when I look at the scriptures, there's some that really worry me. When I look at the American church, and I look at so many people even within our own church that say they're followers of God, and I look at the scriptures and I go, I don't know. If you know what it really means to follow God in a way that brings about an eternity in heaven, can we just be real for the last two minutes I have with you today? Jesus said it this way. Now remember, this is Jesus talking. The one that, you know, we love so much that carries around the little sheet that could never do anything wrong. He's the one that said many, not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who comes up and says, Aaron, you know, I raised my hand at, at Radiant. I, I, I did this. I did my part. I, I, I went to a church one time. I said a prayer one time. No, no, no. He says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, it's not about a hand raised. It's about a life that's changed. That is what Christianity is about. 
don't, you don't get some assurance that you prayed some prayer when you were three years old and, well, I got it. I'm going to heaven and I can live whatever way I want to live. No, according to Jesus, not everybody who says to me, man, I said a prayer is going to heaven. No, it's those who did the will of their father, their father in heaven. In other words, I was going life this way. I broke my will and said, no, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to live God God's way. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. Those are the people. He says, because many will say to me on the day, Lord, Lord, did we not? Lord, I prophesied in your name. I led a small group at Radiant. I gave money. I was even on the legacy team. And I drove out the demons from my in-laws. I did all of that, God. And then he's going to return and respond and say to them plainly, I didn't even know who you are. This is not about some prayer that you prayed. It's about a life that's changed because you have a relationship with God. You know who God is. So if you're in our church today, and maybe you're part of one of those groups, and, and you go, well, I messed up a lot, and, and I want to know, are you going to try to change that area of me? My response is always, yes, 100%. Why? Because we're all trying to be changed. We're all trying to be transformed. We all need to be made into who God has called us to be. We all need to follow His will over our will. That is what Christianity is all about. So let me close with this idea, okay? Just stay with me. So just don't be a Blackberry Christian. Don't be a Blackberry Christian. No, you go, what does that even mean? How many remember the phone, the BlackBerry phone? How many remember that phone? Did anybody have a BlackBerry phone? Come on, any of you guys? Yeah, it was the most popular phone. Came out in 2008. Uh, it was the very first smartphone. Like, it, it took the smartphone world over. I remember when Obama got elected. Remember, he got into the office, and President Obama was walking around with a BlackBerry. He was, like, so cool. I was like, man, he's a president with a, with a smartphone, you know? And, and so they took over the market. By 2011, that was their heyday. They had 50% of all smartphones on the planet were BlackBerry phones. 50%. That one year alone, they sold in the United States 50 million phones. They were bigger than Apple, bigger than Samsung, bigger than all of them. They were the best out there, the biggest out there in BlackBerry. And then competitors came along, and competitors like the iPhone and like Samsung and whatever the other ones are out there. And when they came along, they changed something that the BlackBerry leadership said, well, we're never gonna change that. What they did is they made phones that you did not have a keyboard on it. The keyboard was in the, the, the touch screen. And I, if you research it, it's mind blowing because the executives at BlackBerry got together and said, we'll change everything. We'll update everything. We'll make it better every year, but we will never change our keyboard on our smartphone. Ever. It is the one thing about us that's always been with us and it's always going to be who we are. And BlackBerry went from the largest in the market to in 2018 when they finally closed up shop, they were less than one third of 1% of the smartphones in the United States. Why? Because they had it in their mind that this is something that they've always had and it's something they'll never change. I think it's the one thing that damages and keeps most Christians back is that they go into this relationship with God and they go, God, you can have everything, but you can't touch this one area of my life and you will never get to your potential 
and maybe, even maybe, you'll never get to that eternity in heaven if you don't go in with full surrender, saying, God, you can have all of me. You can have every part of me. You can do it in my life. I'm not holding anything back. Why don't you stay in your feet at all of our locations? Let's have a moment, a moment of surrender, a moment where we give it all to God today. Don't be a Blackberry Christian. Don't hold something back. Say, God, I give you everything. I give you my past. I give you that part of me that's tough, that's a struggle, that I don't want to give up. I come and I give it to you today, God, in a moment of real surrender. Come on, make it your moment of surrender right now. All over this campus, come on, make it your moment of surrender right now between you and God. Come on, let's sing holy. Come on, make it your prayer right now. He's trying to transform you. He's trying to change you. Say, God, what is that thing that I'm holding back? What is that thing in my life that's against your will? Come on, hold back the bitterness, the anger, the temptation, the addiction any longer. Come on, make it a moment of surrender right here in our service. Make it your moment. Maybe, maybe you surrendered years ago. Surrender to the will of God. One more time. Give it all to Him. Come on. someone's eternal destiny if you're not where you need to be with God this is your moment whether you're watching online here in one of our services I want you to know that God loves you he's already done the work on the cross it's your time now to surrender to say God I give you my life I give you my sin I'm going all in I don't want I don't want you going half in half out I'll try it out no no, no I'm, I'm going all in with God today if that's you on the count of three I want you to make a bold life-changing, eternity-altering decision to say, Jesus, I give you everything. That's you on the count of three. Throw the hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down, and I believe God's going to meet you right here in this place. He's going to change your heart. One, two, three. That's you. Throw that hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. A bunch of you guys. Thank you. 
Why don't we pray this prayer out loud? Why don't we all pray it together? Say it like this. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Thank you for dying for me. I make a decision to live for you for the rest of my life. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. And I can't wait to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate just like heaven is celebrating right now. Come on, let's go wild and crazy for those that just made the best decision. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.